بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد سو ان شاء الله we will be taking few minutes and reading the hadith from kitab al-iman this is the next chapter the first chapter was kitab badl wahid the beginning of revelation باب الإيمان وقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بني الإسلام على خمس. The chapter on iman and the statement of Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم that Islam is based upon five principles. وقال حدثنا عبيد الله بن موسى قال أخبرنا حنظلة بن أبي سفيان عن عكرمة بن خالد عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهم قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بني الإسلام على خمس شهادة أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة والحج وصوم رمضان In this hadith, well-known hadith Abdullah ibn Umar narrates that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that Islam is based upon five pillars. The central pillar is to testify that there is no one worthy worshipped except Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a messenger of Allah and to establish salah and to discharge the zakah, to perform the hajj and to observe the fast during the month of Ramadan. So there are a number of discussions that take place here. One of them is, uh, what is the relationship between the words of deen, Islam, and Iman? These terms are normally used interchangeably, but in reality there is a difference between these. Deen is any way of life, any way a person leads his life is called deen. So, the Mushrikeen, they also have a deen. The Nasara have a deen. The Yahud have a deen. Any way of living a life, any set of beliefs, belief system, that is known as a deen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in Surah Al-Kafirun, when Allah is addressing uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the Sahaba in one of the initial stages during Makkah, during the Meccan period, when the Mushrikeen, uh, there are different stages. At one particular stage, they said, okay, let us make a compromise. Uh, if you are not going to give up preaching against our idols and inviting towards Tawheed, and we do not want to also give up our idols and believe in your one Allah, then how about we make a compromise where um, for some portion of time, we can take turns that you worship our gods and we will be happy, and then... Uh, when it is your turn, then we will worship your Allah. So we can take, uh, you know, keep both sides happy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent this response to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Qul say, ya ayuhal kafirun, o disbelievers, la a'budu ma ta'budun. I will not worship your false gods. Wala antum a'buduna ma a'bud, nor are you worshipping my one Allah. At the end it's, lakum deenukum wal yadeen. So you have your deen and I have my deen. So the way of life of the mushrikun, it is also termed as a deen here. Lakum deenukum, you have your deen. And then out of the different deen, plural adyan, the way of life uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has selected for the guidance of mankind, the one way of life that he is pleased with, that is known as the deen of Islam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَن يَبْتَغِي غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا فَلَنْ يُقْبَلَ مِنْ Whoever adopts any other way of life other than the deen of Islam, other deen, فَلَنْ يُقْبَلَ مِنْ That deen will not be accepted. And Allah ta'ala also says, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ Today I have completed my deen for you. وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي I have perfected my favors upon you. وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينًا I have selected Islam that this is your deen. So Islam is the deen, a complete way of life 
which began from the time of Adam salam, Nuh salam, the previous prophets, they all carried the message of Islam to Rasulullah who is the final prophet of this deen of Islam. And the third one, the third term is the term of Iman. So Iman is different from Islam in the sense that Iman is the conviction and belief that a person has in his heart about the truth of the message of Islam. So Iman has been defined as At-Tasdiqu bi-jami'i ma ja'a bihin nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to have the firm conviction in the entirety of the message conveyed to us by Rasulullah So having that firm conviction in the heart, having that strong belief in the heart about the truth of Islam, that firm conviction in the heart is, is Iman. And one of the important reasons for us to remember this distinction between Iman and Islam is that when it comes to Islam many times we are subtracting things and we're adding things and when it comes to Iman we feel that our Iman is safe and confirmed and it is sufficient whereas both of them are mistakes when it comes to Iman we feel that our Iman is secure our Iman is safe, our Iman is uh, sufficient for entering us into Jannah and we have nothing to worry about whereas the reality of Iman as Imam Bukhari he mentions here is that Iman increases and decreases the reality of Iman is that Iman increases and decreases it does not remain the same on the other hand when it comes to Islam Unfortunately, we freely are adding things to it and we are subtracting things for it. Whereas the nature of Islam is that it neither increases nor decreases. You see how it is the opposite. Why can it not decrease? Because the ayah says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم Allah has completed the deen of Islam. Perfected the deen of Islam. Nothing can be added to it. When something is perfect, something is complete, meaning there's no deficiency that you need to add to it. Nor can you take anything away from it. It is in its perfect, complete form. Rasulullah more explicitly mentioned this, where he said that, Man ahdatha minhu Whoever uh, tries to innovate and add things to the deen of Islam, that which is not a part of it, then that would be rejected. And he also mentioned Kullu Muhdathatin Bid'ah. Every new innovation which is made a part of the deen, which is not part of the deen, that is a bid'ah. Kullu Bid'atin Dalala. This will lead to going astray, which will lead to Kullu Dalalatin Finnar, will lead to the fire of Jahannam. So when someone adds something to the deen of Islam, even if it is apparently a very beautiful thing, like one of the most beautiful things perhaps we could utter is salawat on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What could be more rewarding than that? It's not something that is sinful or something wrong or something neutral. It's rather something very beneficial, spiritually beneficial, rewarding, draws the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Man salla alayhi maratan sallallahu alayhi biha ashara Whoever sends one salawat upon me Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends ten mercies on that individual Forgives ten of that individual's sins Elevates that person ten status in the hereafter In Jannatul Firdaus inshaAllah And awlaakum bi yawm al-qiyamah Aktharakum salatan aliyya The closest amongst you to me on the day of judgment Will be the one who sends the most salawat upon me this is the one action that Allah, Malaika, and the angels, and the human beings, the believers are all three included. In Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabiya yuladina amnu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima, etc., etc. So it's such a beautiful action if it is added to the deen in such a manner that it is truly added to the deen, made a part of the deen. This is an example Mufti Taqir Uthmani Zab Hafizahullah gave one place in one of his talks that you take the salawat, which is a very beautiful thing. Uh, which is a, such a rewarding action, but if you make it part of the adhan, for example, uh, 
So the Adhan has a set beginning and a set end. There are mahdud, defined kalimat of the Adhan. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu an Muhammadur Rasulullah, ya Rasulullah, ya Al-Falah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah. Some of them are two times, some are four times, but these are the kalimat. So this, this is the Adhan. This is a min sha'airil Islam. One of the symbols of our Islam. It is proven from the mutawatir amal, continuous practice from the Sahaba, from Rasulullah's time. From the dream Abdullah bin Zayd ibn Abdul Rabbi he saw Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhum saw and affirmed by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now if somebody, he adds a salawat to the adhan, uh, where he is doing it on the microphone, on the speaker, with the adhan, loudly, and he feels that this is now part of the adhan. So such a beautiful act can now end up becoming a, a sinful act, it becomes a bid'ah. Because the adhan ends at la ilaha illallah. So we have to be very careful. What does it mean when we say something is a bid'ah? Because uh, someone will say, wait, every new thing is a bid'ah. So our cars are bid'ah, our planes are bid'ah. That is a very frequently asked question. People, when they get upset, they say, oh, are you saying cars are bid'ah? No, car is not a bid'ah, plane is not a bid'ah because nobody is saying that's part of the deen. That's a mode of conveyance. And you're okay, it is permissible to use technology. And when something is made part of the deen, such that if you do it, you will get specific rewards. If you don't do it, you will be liable for punishment. And um, there are specific virtues associated with that practice. And you consider it mandatory and important. Um, then, then you are making it part of the deen. So saying salawat after the adhan, is that, is that sinful in, in, in of itself? No. In fact, we should recite salawat, we should recite Allahumma rabba hazi da'wati tama wa salat al-qa'imah Ati Muhammadin al-wasira wa al-fadira wa darat al-rafi'ah wa ba'athu maqama mahmudan al-lazhi wa'ata innaka la tukhliful al-mi'ad and other du'as. You can make du'a. Reciting salawat now is not a bid'ah. Reciting salawat after adhan anytime is rewarding. It's only when it is made part of the adhan. And that is why Sometimes the way it is performed, the fuqaha take that into consideration. Meaning, when you turn the microphone on and you're doing it on the speakers, it is being broadcast. And you say, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah and Allahu Akbar, Allahu la ilaha illallah. So now the adhan ended. So if you turn the microphone off and to yourself as a mu'adhan, you're reciting salawat, that's absolutely not bidah. But you are reciting the salawat with the adhan. And then you're doing a bunch of other du'as as well? No, it's just a salawat. And then is it just a one-time thing that a person was over, uh, overwhelmed with the love of Rasulullah which is very phenomenal, mashallah, spiritual condition, and you recited it? No, it's every single one, five times a day. Right? This is, in some areas, this is a practice. That's why we're giving an example, not a theoretical example, a practical example. For when the adhan finishes, five times a day, the Muslim is calling the adhan and he's adding it. One, one com, uh, like a common litmus test would be that if there is, a, for example, a convert who comes into Islam, a revert, revert, as they say. Because, why do they say revert? Because Rasulullah said, كل مولد يولد على الفطرة فأبواه يهويدانه أو ينصرانه أو يمجسانه Every child is born on the fitrah, the natural religion of Islam. Sometimes the parents, يهويدانه, make him into a Jew. Sometimes ينصرانه, a Christian. Sometimes يمجسانه, a fire worshiper, majusi. But otherwise, the child is born on Fitrah of Islam. The natural fitrah way of disposition, the one Allah has created human being, is the fitrah of Islam, to submit to Allah. So when a person takes the shahada, after he has been lost from the straight path, he is reverting back, reverting back to the original religion. That's why they said revert versus convert. So anyway, if there's a revert, he comes into the area and he's learning about Islam. What would be his feeling when he was asked, okay, did you learn the adhan? Yes. And if somebody stops the la ilaha illallah, a person who attends this masjid, he will feel that, wait, the adhan is incomplete because you did not recite the salawat. So that is how a practical amal is taken into consideration when passing a fatwa. That now at this point, this has become a, a bid'ah because the, salah, the adhan is incomplete. So you have made it a part of the adhan. So Mufti Daqi Sahib, rahimahullah, uh, he says that 
you uh, take something as rewarding, as noble, as beautiful, as salawat, and you can end up turning it into a, a bid'ah. And bid'ah is such a heinous sin that it can become a more major sin and uh, a bigger curse uh, than many other kabair major sins. The reason is the major sins, zina and adultery and fulah and fulah and theft and lying and cheating, a person has the realization in the back of his mind that this is a sin. I'm disobeying Allah. My nafs is uh, overpowering me and my I'm, I'm becoming weak and my passions are overcoming me and I'm committing the sins. So when he has this realization, if, we hope one day eventually that person will make tawbah. Sooner or later, hopefully sooner. Because we do not know when death will strike. But on the other hand, the chances of making tawbah from bid'ah are very minimal because there is no reason to make tawbah from an action that you are under the impression it is rewarding. Whereas you are disobeying. You believe it to be rewarding, why would you make tawbah from something you believe it to be rewarding? The only way you can come out of this mess is through the nur of ilm that Allah grants through any of his means. If Allah Ta'ala grants hidayah and ilm and a person realizes the error in his thinking and his practice that wow, I'm engaging in such a bid'ah practice that is actually, I thought it was sunnah but rather it is an innovation. So this is the reality of Islam. We cannot increase, we cannot add things to the deen, we cannot subtract from the deen. Whereas on the other hand, Iman can increase and decrease. The strength of Iman increases and decreases. This is what Imam Bukhari is talking about here. Um, in, in, uh, in the ta'liqat which are mentioned before this hadith, in this uh, text here that we have, we have the marfu hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Meaning marfu hadith, meaning these are the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ala khamsin. But if you go back before this, uh, there are other words, Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi perhaps we will go back and show them uh, next week. In which Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi is uh, saying that al-iman yazid wa yanqus, iman increases and, and decreases. Iman increases and decreases. There is, um, so this is the st- way of Imam Bukhari. He establishes a chapter heading, and then he brings different statements uh, um, without giving the sanad all the way back. Those are known as the ta'aliq. And then after, um, uh, and thereafter, he uh, brings uh, the sanad. So this this presentation was prepared with the sanad's hadith uh, only. So inshallah, we can go back and mention those riwayat next week, inshallah. What he keeps on proving in those narrations is that iman does increase and decrease. For example, he will quote an ayah there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا When the ayats of the Qur'an are recited upon the Sahaba and the believers, Allah ta'ala is not referring only to the Sahaba, but he's talking about the true believers, uh, Insha'Allah, ila yawmil qiyamah, that their iman increases. Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Verily, the true believers are only those, إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ When Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala's name is mentioned, وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ Then their hearts begin to tremble. إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ When Allah is mentioned, وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ Their hearts tremble. Their hearts do not tremble out of fear, like a person is afraid of a tyrant, or is afraid of a zalim or an oppressor, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never commit any dhulm. But rather their hearts tremble out of fear that they may displease Allah. They love Allah so much and they are so afraid of His displeasure. And their hearts also tremble out of the awe of Allah because of the grandeur of Allah, the ru'ab of Allah sa'ala. Not out of fear the way a person is afraid of a tyrant or afraid of an oppressive ruler or afraid of a snake or afraid of a robber or afraid of something harmful. Rather, this is afraid, the one like a person is afraid of someone whom he loves, that he's afraid that he may displease his beloved. And when the ayat of the Quran are recited upon the believers, their iman increases. And upon their Lord, they rely. 
And only upon their, their Rabb they, they rely. They have trust. Because comes first, or so it means only on their Rabb they rely. They trust. So this is um, now the Sahaba, uh, the scholars of Tafsir say that the Iman can increase in quantity as also in quality. During the era of Rasulullah whenever new ayat were being revealed, then the Iman was increasing kamman wa kaifan. Kamman in quantity wise. Meaning, for example, if a person believed in 100 ayat, now 10 new ayat were revealed. So his Iman has become from 100 ayat to 110 ayat. Uh, but after the entire Qur'an has been revealed, and we believe in the entire Qur'an, this increase of Iman still is taking place, but not in the quantity, only insha'Allah in the, in the quality, in the, in the strength of it. And the, the minimum level of Iman, the Iman fluctuates, it increases and decreases. The minimum level of Iman that is required, which is follow the Ayn on every individual to work on developing, is that The Iman is so strong that it prevents a person from disobeying Allah. This is the minimum requirement. Iman is so strong that it prevents a person from disobeying Allah. So, when the Iman gets weaker, a person may be leaving some nafal actions, some mustahab actions, maybe doing something undesirable, or maybe doing something which is wasteful, khilaf al-awla, not recommended actions. But he is not falling into haram, because he has the minimum level of iman that is required. Then is when iman gets stronger and stronger, then he's doing more nafal actions, more virtuous actions, more desirable actions. He's abstaining from some of those khilaf al-awla things, those things which are uh, not recommended. And he's making more tawbah and sincere repentance from even permissible things uh, which were waste of his time. This is the level of muttaqi, a person who has taqwa. لا يبلغ العبد درجة المتقين A person cannot reach the status of muttaqin to be among the muttaqin حتى يدعى ما لا بأس به Until he leaves those actions in which there is no sin. He has to leave those actions in which there is no sin. Out of fear of falling into that in which there is sin. A person cannot reach the level of muttaqi until he leaves those actions in which there is no harm out of fear of falling into that in which there is harm. So a person who has the level of iman when he reaches a higher level what happens he is leaving the haram and he leaves the makruta harimi and he leaves the makruta nzihi the minor form of uh, prohibited action then that which is khilaf al not recommended then he leaves the mashbuh that which is doubtful then he leaves a lot of mabah permissible things which may be waste of time so he avoids the permissible completely neutral now mabah means neutral, permissible. There's no, re- no punishment, no reward. He leaves a lot of permissible. Just because it's permissible doesn't mean you do it because it's not the best use of your time. So he leaves a lot of permissible things. And what is he engaging in? In farad and wajibat, sunan, nawafil. That's what he's engaging his time in. The permissible actions he engages in also uh, with the correct intention are ending up becoming sunan and nawafil for him too. Right. So that, that is the definition of the righteous individual. This is when his iman is at a higher level. Lower level, uh, you know, the, the, this, is the, this is the fluctuation that happens. So when a person is in the month of Ramadan and, and in Itikaf or a person is in Hajj, in the day of Arafah, he's, or he's by the Kaaba, his iman is increasing and increasing at a higher level. When he is involved in, when he's still in business, at work, in the marketplace, because Abghadul Biladi Allah, the most despicable piece of earth in the eyes of Allah, Aswaqwaha are the markets. So when he's busy in the marketplace or he's busy buying and selling, his iman is going down. But does it mean that he gives up his farah salah? He still is not. Even though his iman is what? Lower now. 
رِجَالٌ لَا تُلْهِيهِمْ تِجَارَةٌ وَلَا بِيعٌ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ There are such men who trade, neither trade nor merchandise beguiles them and makes them forget about the dhikr of Allah. So they are continuing the dhikr of Allah and continuing their faral obligations even though they are in the marketplace. Um, so th- this is how the fluctuation would happen. Now when you look at the hadith of Anzalah, the well-known hadith where when he was in the company of Rasulullah his iman was very very high and when he went back home his iman was he found it to be lower and when, when he was with his wife and his children and then he said um, my iman in, in front of Rasulullah is different my iman at home is different so I may be double faced I may be a hypocrite and he went out on the street and started screaming nafaq hansala nafaq hansala hansala is munafiq he's a munafiq Abu Bakr al-Qadim said, don't say that. Why are you saying something like that? When he explained it, he said, oh, I feel the same way. Perhaps I'm a munafiq. Then the, he said, let us go and ask Rasulullah sallallahu And Nabi sallallahu said, that is fine. That is a natural fluctuation. Do not say you are a hypocrite. If you would be at the same status as Hanzalah said, when we are with you, as if we can see Jannah and Jahannam with our eyes. As if we can see Jannah and Jahannam with our eyes. But we are not at that highest level of realization when we are at home. Nabi Wasallam said, you cannot maintain that. If you did, the angels would come down and would uh, shake your hands, make musafaha with you. Do not worry about that, that's normal. So if someone says, subhanAllah, Hanzalah uh, the Prophet Wasallam said, it's okay, don't worry, your iman can fluctuate. My iman also fluctuates. So I'm the same as Hanzalah. No, no, no reason to worry or have cause of concern. So there is fluctuation on both ends. That's fine. You are correct in that comparison. But there is a major uh, thing you are overlooking. What you're overlooking here is that at his low point, he was not engaged in any disobedience of Allah. And potentially at your high point and my high point, our high point, we are still engaged in many forms of disobedience of Allah. So that is a fluctuation. If you chart it, his fluctuation is happening in the positive the low point is still positive. It's not going below zero. It's not going into the red. It's not going negative. Fluctuation within the positive versus hardly getting hitting zero, still in the red, in the negative. Yes, sir. So therefore, we, uh, what is the shari'i hukum? Is it, is it farad or sunnah or wajib or nafal? What is the fatwa upon doing the effort on a person's iman? So you'll say that if the iman is so weak that a person is engaged in haram actions, then it's actually fard ayn. Fard the highest level of individual obligation, not a communal obligation, to do the effort of iman to increase one's iman, so that it is at the minimum level that a person is out of the disobedience of Allah. Because the, the iman, the, the, how do you see the fruit of the iman? How do you see the effect of the iman? How can we um, test in this iman and, and pass a judgment regarding how strong or weak it is? We see it through the lens of the practice. Because Rasulullah said so. He said, Al-imanu ma fil-qalb. The reality of iman is that which penetrates the heart. And a person can say, mu'minun. I am a true mu'min. How do you know? How do you prove it? amal. The actions will prove it. The actions will, do, will testify to that claim. The reality of Iman, it penetrates the heart. So the place where the Iman resides is in the heart. But the proof of that Iman is through the actions. So if the actions are not in conformance with the orders of Allah, and a person is not fulfilling the fard obligations, nor is he abstaining from the prohibitions, that means that there is a weakness of Iman. There is no other conclusion to reach. And if the iman is weak, then the effort of iman is farad. And there are many ways that iman can be increased. Amongst them is inviting towards Allah, giving da'wah ila Allah, doing the dhikr of Allah, doing muraqaba, suhbat of salihin, righteous people. Um, and there are different ways of reaching that ma'rifah. A person, he gives da'wah ila Allah, he speaks about Allah, the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much until the reality of that enters his heart. Or he does the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much until the reality of Iman enters his heart. Or he studies the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much while he is studying the Quran, the reality that subhanAllah he reaches the conclusion that he 
has no option but to exclaim in wonderment, Hada kalam this must be the kalam of my Rabb. So his iman is increasing. Through the dhikr of Allah, through the studying of the Quran, through the sahaba of righteous individuals, uh, through the da'wah and inviting towards Allah. Through all of these different means, his iman is increasing. And he needs to, and we need to work on that iman until it takes us out of the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, we have to remember this main difference. In Islam, does not increase or decrease, whereas Iman definitely does. Iman definitely does. And we are a product of our environment. The more we are going to remain in righteous environments, our Iman will continue to remain strong, hopefully withstand all of the challenges from outside. But as soon as we go away from this righteous environment, Man shadda, shudda finnar. Whoever strays from the Jama'atul Muslimin, then he will end up being in the fire. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned this. Yadullahi ala al-Jama'ah. The help of Allah, the Nusra of Allah, the guidance from Allah is with the Jama'atul Muslimin, with the group of the believers. Whoever goes away from the group of the believers, then uh, he will, we will enter him into the fire. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. And the wolf attacks the stray sheep. In this day and age when the challenges are much greater, uh, then we uh, have more need to ensure that we defend our iman, whatever iman we have, and to further strengthen it. May Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq. So this is, these are some basic information that we talked about because this is a chapter on iman, kitab al-iman, uh, which is the title of this kitab, this book. Another important discussion when we talked about the relationship between Iman and Islam is that from the Amal perspective, from our perspective, Iman is generally refers to the belief as we said in the heart. And Islam refers to the practice that we do with our body parts. So in the Hadith of Jibreel, as we will see when um, Jibreel alayhi salam asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, "Mal Islam? What is Islam?" Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he uh, mentioned the pillars of Islam, which are actions of the body. Qala al-Islam antashada la ilaha illallah. One is to testify with the tongue. That's an action of the tongue. To say ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah. Then you have وَتُقِيمُ salah to establish, you establish salah. وَتُصُومُ رَمَضَانَ you fast in the month of Ramadan. وَتَحُجُّ الْبَيْتَ and you perform the Hajj of the Baytullah in istata'ata ilayhi sabila if you have the ability to do so. So these five pillars, these are actions. Action of the tongue, the shahada, action of the body, fasting, zakat, hajj, salah, all of these actions. So the actions that we do with the body parts have been termed as Islam here. And when uh, when when Jibreel asked Rasulullah what is iman, mal iman, then he mentioned beliefs, antu'mina. The articles of faith that you believe. So, um, when a per, so in so here we see a distinction: iman being the belief and Islam being the the practice. Why this sometimes becomes confusing? It's because uh, we see different ayats in the Quran. Sometimes Islam, Muslim, and Mu'min. The one who has Islam is Muslim. The one who has Iman is Mu'min. Uh, sometimes we see that they are used interchangeably, that they are the exact same thing. And sometimes we see that they are used separately, that Muslim is someone different, Mu'min is someone different. Um, so how do we reconcile this? So summary of the long discussion is that um, the reality is that they are the same. It depends on where you are beginning your discussion from, the st starting point. If you are talking about an individual from the inside out, a person who has iman, meaning he has belief, and he has such a belief, strong belief in Allah, Malaika, Kutub, Rasul, all of the articles of faith, which translates into his action. So he has strong belief in his heart, and this strong belief in his heart is 
manifest in the actions of his body parts. As we went back to the hadith, I'll refer back to it once again. Al-Iman, the reality of Iman is what is in the bottom of the heart, and the actions of the body part are in conformance with it. So if there is Iman from inside, true belief from inside, which results in practice outside, then that individual is called a mu'min. Likewise, when you talk about Muslim, a Muslim is the one who has outer performance and submission and compliance of his body parts to the dictates of, his, of the deen of Allah. And such a compliance, which is a result of his inner belief, is not because he's hiding some other agenda in his heart, but rather this outer compliance is because of his inner belief, that the person is a Muslim. So effectively the Muslim and women are what? The same. So if you're looking from outside in, it's Muslim. If you're looking from inside out, it's mu'min. This is when you have mentioned Muslim by itself. This is when you mention mu'min by itself. It means the complete package. But if you're talking about Islam and Iman in the same sentence together, like if you say that, okay, we have to work on our Islam and we have to work on our Iman. Now you're, you're talking about two things. So in, since you're mentioning it together in a sentence, both terms, then Islam will be referring only to what? Outer practice. And Iman will be referring only to inner belief. Right. So, um, we have all of these scenarios in the Quran. So, if you look at Surah Al Hajarat, for example, in Surah Al Hajarat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story of the A'rab, the Bedouins. Um, what did the Bedouins say? Qalatil A'rabu Amanna. The Bedouins said, We have Iman. So if Iman and Islam are the same thing, if they have Iman, then they have Islam too. But look what happens after that. Allah Ta'ala says, قُلْ لَمْ تُؤْمِنُوا Say, you do not have complete Iman. وَلَكِنْ قُولُوا أَسْلَمْنَا Rather say that we have just entered Islam. وَلَمَّا يَدْخُلِ الْإِيمَانُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ The reality of Iman has not entered your hearts. Whoa. So what does this tell us? This tells us that Islam and Iman are two different things. Because in in this ayah, we see uh, in Surah Hajarat 49, ayah 14, قُلْ لَمْ They're saying we have Iman, Allah is saying, no, you don't have Iman, you only have Islam, Iman has not entered your hearts. So Islam and Iman are two different things. This is Surah Al-Hajarat. But then, if we go on, to um, in the 27th, that was the 26th juz. Move on to the next juz, the 27th, we have Surah Dhariyat. In Surah Dhariyat, we have the example where the angels are uh, commanded to evacuate from Sadum the believers before the adab of Lut salam descends on the people. And they come and give the command, you need to leave, leave very quickly. Is not the morning near, the morning is very near. And at the break of dawn, the adab will strike. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَأَخْرَجْنَا مَنْ كَانَ فِيهَا مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ فَمَا وَجَدْنَا فِيهَا غَيْرَ بَيْتٍ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ this is ayah number uh, 35 and 36 in Surah Dhariyat. مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ So from the city of Sadum, we took out all the mu'mineen, mu'mins. فَمَا وَجَدَنَا فِيهَا غَيْرَ بَيْتٍ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ And we did not find but one house of the Muslims. So the mu'min and the Muslim are exactly the same here. If uh, the command is take out all the mu'mineen, so we only had to take out one house of Muslimin. Wait, wasn't the command to take out Mu'minin? Why are you taking out Muslimin? Because Muslimin and Mu'minin are the same. Right. So what does that tell you? So we have some ayahs that indicate that Islam and Iman are the same, some ayahs that indicate that they are different. So uh, the conclusion is that if you are just saying Muslims or just saying Mu'min, it means the full package. Muslim means from outside to inside. Mu'min means from inside to outside. But if you are using both in one sentence, like Allah telling the Arab, 
you have Islam but you do not have Iman meaning you have outer compliance you do not have inner belief yet that is required then they are both distinct at that point so our Shaykh Mufti Al-Hafsa he mentioned all of this in a very brief poem it's not necessarily a poem per se but in rhyming words he said Al-Islamu Wal-Imanu Ida Ishtama'a Iftaraqa wa idha iftaraqa ishtama'a Yashtami'ani fil waliyya al-ashiq wa iftariqani fil fasiq wa al-munafiq What means that Al-Islamu wal-Iman Islam and Iman Ida ishtama'a 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 fil lawf When both of them are mentioned together in one text, in one sentence Ishtama'a, when both are mentioned together in one sentence Iftaraqa, then they both have different meanings Ishtama'a fil lawf, iftaraqa fil ma'na they're both mentioned in the same sentence, they both have different meanings. Islam is only our compliance, and Iman is only inner belief. And when they are both separated, meaning just Islam is mentioned, or just Iman is mentioned, then both have the exact same meaning, effectively. Islam from outside in, Iman from inside out. And then he said, The wali of Allah who loves Allah, Islam and Iman both are found 100% in him. And the reason he said Ashiq is just to rhyme with Fasiq. Uh, because that's the next one. Otherwise, why did the Ashiq come here? Right? He could say Salih, right? Or he could say uh, someone else righteous. That's the reason the word Ashiq came from, is because it has to rhyme with the Fasiq in the next line. So they are separate in a Fasiq and a Munafiq. What is the fasiq and what is a munafiq? A mun- and what, what's happening? The fasiq is the one who has iman in his heart, he believes, but there's a deficiency in his Islam, the practice. So what does a fasiq have? So if, a, uh, if uh, there, uh, he's, uh, um, he's drinking wine, for example, and he's getting drunk, so you ask him, do you believe in Allah? He says, yeah. Do you recite the kalima? Yes. Recite it. Ashhadu la ilaha illallah, ashhadu Muhammad Rasulullah. If he's not too drunk, maybe. And then, uh, then why are you drinking? Do you believe it's haram? Yeah, it's haram. Why are you drinking? Because I'm addicted. I cannot stop. Make dua for me. Astaghfirullah. But I can't stop. So the, what's happening here? There's a deficiency in the practice, but there is a belief. So he has iman, but there, his Islam is incomplete. So that's, that's the fasim. The munafiq, on the other hand, is the one who uh, has Islam. Uh, to be a true munafiq, he has to have perfect Islam. Because if his Islam is weak, then he's not playing his full role, right? But there is no Iman. Inside his heart, there is no Iman. So there is Islam. It could be even be perfect Islam. But there is deficiency, not deficiency, complete absence, in fact, of Iman. So that's why in the time of Rasulullah wasallam, the munafiqoon, that Allah Ta'ala says, وَمِنْ أَهْلِ الْمَدِينَةِ Among the residents of Medina, they are munafiqoon. مَرَدُوا عَلَى النِّفَاقِ Hardcore munafiqoon. You do not know who they are. We know who they are. They will be given double the adab. They're in the lowest level of Jahannam. It comes in the hadith that the Fajr and Isha would be difficult for the munafiqoon. And not that they would not come. They would come. Because if they weren't coming, then, then they would be outed. So they were coming, it was just difficult because they're not coming for the sake of Allah, they're coming for the sake of keeping up their name as a believer, keeping up the show, keeping up the act. So it was more difficult, whereas it was easier for the believers since they were looking forward to the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the munafiqun would come for Fajr, munafiqun would come for Isha, munafiqun would participate in jihad, munafiqun would do all of the above. So they had to have Islam. if they didn't want to have Islam, then they had another option. They could just do another type of kufr, which is called kufr of inad, kufr of just rejection, open kafir. But they did not adopt the path of open kufr. They chose to be a munafiq. And part of our munafiq is to have as good Islam as you can get. But there is absolutely no iman inside. You see? There's, there's outward Islam, there's no iman. Like today, for example, if there is, we have nothing to hide here and we are doing everything legal because we are obeying Allah 
and Allah Ta'ala tells us to be good citizens and follow the lands, laws of the country. But if there's someone who feels that we may be doing something illegal, he wants to know, then he's welcome to come. So if there's a munafiq today, we invite the munafiq to become a true Muslim. But if there wants to be a munafiq who wants to come and spy, what will he have to do? Well, he'll have to have really good Islam, right? To come close, to observe and participate in all the activities. He will come for all the salah, he will come for all the amal, he will come for all the programs. Everything that we do here is live stream to begin with. Right? He can do his spying from home, from anywhere in the world. Right? You don't even have to bug us because we're putting it out on the line for you. Right? So, uh, um, so if there is a spy today, there's a mole, there's a secret agent, espionage, whatever, informant. He has to, uh, he would try, he would always do what? Be as good Muslim as possible. With, and what about the, that's his Islam, is perfect. Or near perfect. What about Iman? Zero. So that is, the, we see that? That's what Mufti Sahib, he said, يَجْتَمِعَانِ فِي الْوَلِيِّ الْعَاشِقِ وَيَفْتَرِقَانِ فِي الْفَاسِقِ وَالْمُنَافِقِ The Fasiq and Munafiq. Fasiq has Iman, no Islam, uh, deficient, uh, problem with Islam. Munafiq has Islam, problem with Iman. The Wali al-Ashiq has Islam and Iman both. Now, um, over here, it, when you said Bani al-Islam, Islam has five pillars. Shahadati ya la ilaha illallah. This again is testifying with the tongue. This is not belief with the heart, right? Testifying with the tongue is an action. So these are all actions. The reality of Iman, according to the Hanafiya, according, uh, um, you know, there is this debate, we will talk about more in detail, about the different definitions of Iman, between the Mutakallimun, Muhaddithun, Imam Shafi, Imam Malik, you know, Ahmad. Uh, but Abu Hanifa perspective, I'm just sharing in brief today, is that the reality of Iman is that it is the tasdiq bil janan, the belief in the heart. Then you have the second component, iqrar bil lisan, testifying with the tongue. Is that part of Iman? or not. So he says that testifying with the tongue is important, it's very important. Uh, it is a condition, it is a condition for all of the worldly commandments and injunctions to be implemented. Meaning, if a person, he believes in his heart of hearts, in his that I believe in Allah, Malaika, Kutub, Rasul. He accepted Islam. He reverted back to the faith as we talked about earlier. But he did not take the open shahada. He did not testify with the tongue publicly. There are no witnesses. So how are we going to know he's a Muslim? So if the question is asked, is the nikah with this individual permissible? We'll say no. Is it the biha halal? We will say no. Will the janazah be performed when he dies? No. Will he be buried in a Muslim graveyard? No. Right? Can he lead the salah? No. So all of the worldly injunctions, we will treat him as a kafir. Why? Because he did not do the iqrar bil lisan, testify with the tongue. So testification of the tongue, according to Imam Abu Hanifa, is very, very important. But what is, why is it important? So that he can be treated as a Muslim, as a mu'min in the world. Whereas in reality, iman is just one thing, which is belief in the heart. But since we do not have a window into your soul, we cannot see what is happening in your heart, therefore we also need something additional to that, which is testifying on the tongue. That is the way we can know that you have iman in your heart. You understand? And then the third one is amal bil arkan, actions. Actions, um, that is the proof of, of your iman. And if you have true iman and strong enough iman, your actions should be in, uh, in compliance with the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if the iman is weak, they will, it will be weak. But this is something additional as well. According to Imam Abu Hanifa, between these three things, inshallah next week when we have all of the other texts of Imam Buhari put up, we will see that. Right? Is it, uh, we will see that he, he mentions all three. He says iman is three components. Iman is belief in the heart, testifying with the tongue, and practice. Where is it on the next slide? Oh, okay. You can, maybe he can show it right now.
So he, he, he is taking the view of the Muhaddithun where he makes it a part of uh, Iman. And Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullah says, no. Um, okay. Okay, I write it here. Okay. So over here, we see. Um, وَهُوَ قَوْلٌ وَفِعْلٌ وَيَزِيدُ وَيَنْقُسُ Imam Bukhari says it is the statement قول and the fair action so he's adding Iman this is the other opinion that is testifying with the tongue قول actions with the body parts fair this is also part of Iman so this is the view of the Muhaddithun Imam Abu Hanifa in the Fuqaha they say قول is of course necessary who can say that testifying with the tongue is not important but he's saying that is just a condition for treating the person as a Muslim, as a mu'min. Otherwise, how do we know? How do we know? And the actions will sometimes be there, sometimes will not be perfect. That's, all, of course, necessary, but that is not integral part of the definition of, of Iman. It increases and decreases. So it increases and decreases from the quality Strength-wise, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala also, for example, in the Quran, He tells us uh, that uh, you need to strive in developing your iman um, to the level of the Sahaba radiAllahu anhum. The Sahaba radiAllahu anhum have been made the standard for iman in the Quran. Allah Taala says that fain amanu bimithli ma amantum bihi faqad ihtadaw if they believe bimithli ma amantum the way you sahaba have believed faqad ihtadaw then they will be rightly guided so the sahaba's iman is a standard both from quantity wise and quality wise we have to believe how they believed and we have to believe in what they believed so quality wise it increases and decreases but quantity wise it will not it's important to remember that so if a person says that he believes in everything the Prophet ﷺ believed in except 1% or except one item, he believes in 99% of the message of the Qur'an, of the Sunnah, of the Deen, then that is as equivalent in believing 0%. It has no value. So quantity-wise, what does Rasulullah ﷺ believe in and Abu Bakr and Umar, Uthman and Ali believe in? We must believe in 100% the same. There cannot be, no, there cannot be any difference in the quantity. Yet the knowledge of the details of that may not be there. So we believe in the entirety of the message. We may not be aware of all of the details. It's not that we may not be aware. We definitely are not aware. Definitely their knowledge regarding the detailed explanation of the articles of faith is far deeper and greater than ours. However, we believe in all of the above. That which we know, that which we do not know. That which we understand, that which we do not understand. We believe in all of it. If we say, I, can't, I only believe in what I read, what I know, I don't know about the rest of it. That is not correct. So we have to remember. So the reason I'm mentioning this is because there's a huge debate, which at the end of the day is just a debate in semantics. It's just a, not a real debate. They're looking at it from different perspectives. Imam Hanifa is saying, Iman does not increase and decrease. But he's talking about quantity. And Muhaddisun are saying, Iman does increase and decrease. They're talking about quality. So there's no problem. That this is like at the end. First of all, we, can, we perhaps cannot really appreciate this grand resolution because we haven't seen the huge battle. There are all these long, ba drawn-out battles and arguments and debates. But they're actually the conclusion at the end of the whole discussion is that there is no problem. Everyone's on the same page. The scholars of Hadith, when they're saying Yazid the see, they will bring a lot of dalail that iman increases and. Decreases. That's what Imam Bukhari does with all of these ayat here. And Imam Hanifa and Fuqaha, they're bringing a lot of evidences that it does not. But whenever they're bringing evidence that it does not increase and decrease, they're talking about quantity. And whenever they're bringing the other side, the opposition, about dalal that increases and decreases, they're talking about the quality. So both are 100% correct. Apparently contradictory, but in reality, they're talking about two different things so um, 
So قال الله تعالى ليزدادوا إيمانا مع إيمانهم وزدناهم هدى ويزيد الله الذين اهتدوا هدى والذين اهتدوا زادهم هدى وآتاهم تقواهم ويزداد الذين آمنوا إيمانا. See in all of these ayat he has the word زيادة. زيادة means to increase. So ليزدادوا إيمانا مع إيمانهم. They already have iman, but their iman is increasing along with it after they they do good deeds. Allah Taala says وزدناهم هدى. We increase them in guidance. And those who are seeking the path of Hidayah, Allah Yazidullah, Allah increases for them their guidance. Those who are seeking the path of Hidayah, Zadahum Hudan, Allah increases the Hidayah and grants them taqwa. And Allah increases Wayazadullah Amanu, those who believe Allah increases them imanan, more iman. Ayyakum Zadatwa Ahadihi Imana, Famaladina Amanu, Fazadatum Imanan. When the commands from Allah Ta'ala come, new ayat are revealed, and the question asks, whose iman is increased? So those who believe, their iman increases. فَخْشَوْهُمْ فَزَادُوا إِمَانًا When the munafiqun come and tell the believers, watch out, the enemy is there, they are strong. How are you going to face them? Aren't you afraid of the enemy? فَخْشَوْهُمْ Aren't you afraid? فَزَادُهُمْ إِمَانًا Their iman increases. They're saying, we are, you're trying to scare us, we're actually believing more. فَخْشَوْهُمْ means the hypocrites are coming and telling the believers, aren't you afraid you have to face the enemy tomorrow? They are so much greater in number than you. They are more equipped than you. How are you going to face them? You're going to die. You're going to be defeated. Fazadahum imanan. Their iman increasing. Oh my God! Opposite result. That's not what they wanted. Waqalu taala. Wa mazadahum illa imanan wa taslima. Whenever any difficult command comes from Allah, their iman increases. Their taslim submission increases. Right. So. These are um, some ways that we see that the equality. Now, um, the, moving from the theoretical discussion to us practically, we all have to make an effort as we conclude today's session, inshallah. Uh, remind ourselves uh, that um, we have a clear concept that we understand what our faith is, what our iman is, what Islam is, and how this clear understanding has to, inshallah, transform into, um, transfer into action. It should propel us into action. What is the action we have to do? Is that we have to actively engage in strengthening our iman by giving da'wah ila Allah, by inviting towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He speaks about iman in the Quran, He also speaks about the effort of iman, how to increase iman. And there is a direct link in many, many ayat in the Quran. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wal asri inna al-insana la fi khusr. By time, all of mankind is in an utter loss. Except for those who believe and do righteous actions. This is again an opinion, an ayah that will go towards Imam Abu Hanifa's understanding. Because Allah Ta'ala mentions belief and He mentions righteous actions separately. So that means that righteous actions are not part of Iman. They are additional to Iman. Iman means the belief only. And they do righteous actions as well. So, Amanu wa amilu salihat. Then Allah Ta'ala says, Wutawaso. And they invite one another towards truth and they invite one another towards sabr. So, this is the effort of iman, and this is the effort of amal. The more we do, the more we invite one another towards towards the truth, then our iman will increase. And the more we invite one another towards sabr, sabr not only meaning patience, but sabr meaning hapsun nafs, to squash the nafs. And the squashing of the nafs takes the three forms. One of them is al-musaib at the time of a calamity to be patient and not to say something displeasing to Allah. But sabr also means hapsul nafs, squashing the nafs, fi ita'atillah and an ma'asillah. To obey Allah and to avoid the disobedience of Allah. So when a person goes against the nafs to come to salah, that is sabr. A person goes against the nafs to avoid riba, that is sabr. A person has a loss of a beloved one in the family and does not c- complain against Allah, that is also sabr. With from the three po- forms of sabr, being patient at the time of a trial uh, is the commonly understood one, and we end up forgetting about the other two forms. But all three are forms of sabr. So, tawasub sabr means a person invites towards sabr, which is actually ending up in short is what? Practice. Obeying Allah. Dis- and avoiding the disobedience of Allah. So tawasub inviting towards sabr is inviting towards practice. This is the effort of, of amal salihah. And tawasub al-haq is the effort of iman. So Allah Ta'ala mentions four things. Iman, amal salihah, 
أفد بإيمان أفد بإيمان صالح تواصل إلا الذين آمنوا إيمان وعملوا صالحات righteous deeds تواصل بالحق is invitation towards إيمان تواصل بالصبر is invitation towards أعمال right so this is very simple and if we inshallah so we need Iman and Amal Saliha and we need to do effort of Iman effort of Amal Saliha the more we do that this is what Imam Bukhari says here وَقَالَ مُعَاذٌ اِجْلِسْ بِنَا نُؤْمِنْ سَاعَةً اِجْلِسْ بِنَا sit down with us نُؤْمِنُ سَاعَةً we will revive our Iman for some time اِجْلِسْ بِنَا sit down with us نُؤْمِنُ سَاعَةً or نؤمن ساعتن جواب أمر يلبي مزوم نؤمن ساعتن we we will revive our iman for some time what is that reviving the iman hopefully this was an opportunity right for Isha where we were reviving our iman by speaking about kitab al iman the definition of iman in Islam and relationship the purpose of this is not only to increase our knowledge but also to revive our iman this is something that we have to take and continue to do with our family with our children with our loved ones and with the ummah and the community at large. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revive our iman, keep it strong, strong such that it is enough to, uh, strong enough to prevent us from his disobedience and that we have a khatima and end on iman. Wa akhru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi, subhanakall